Hello and welcome back to Maximum Sports. I am your host, Max Patillo. Thank you so much for joining me on another Tuesday afternoon and or whenever you're listening. Um, thank you so much for coming back and listening and and uh, you guys are awesome. So uh, I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's a post-draft episode. I mean, so this is kind of the biggest news we're going to have for a little while now. And we can really break it down as these episodes go on. But I'm going to try to do a, a brief overview of what I thought of the draft, how it went, all these picks, how we talked about these teams structuring and positioning themselves, what they value, what priorities they're setting for their future. Um, like I said, it you can't really say definitively who the winners and losers of this draft are. These draft grades um, are, frankly, pretty ridiculous. I mean, I'm going to say, you know, that the Bengals are reaching on the first pick, picking Joe Burrow. But if Joe Burrow turns out to be a Hall of Famer, and maybe he won't even be good for his first three years, but maybe he's good the rest of his career after that. There's no way of knowing what the future holds. But, I mean, if Joe Burrow is the next, you know, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, whatever, and turns out to be excellent, then obviously the Bengals win the draft, right? And that could be the case with any one of these players picked. So we're going to just go through it, kind of try take a bird's eye view of things. And and we'll just uh, we'll start with what I felt. Well, first of all, the NFL, I mean, I thought they just did a, a great job with the draft. I was watching and it was just awesome to have some sports some kind of live sports news occurring. We didn't get to watch a game or anything, but it was the closest thing we've had to any kind of sports action, you know, in this last few months, pretty much since the Super Bowl. And so it was so great to have something to look at, something to talk about. And the NFL, with what they were given, the circumstances, everyone doing it from home, Everything online, I just thought it was amazing how they threw it all together and really still made it feel so special. And it was inspiring, you know, to see that we can overcome stuff, you know, like whatever the world's going to throw at us. I, I, I mean, I'm always optimistic, but I really think we can overcome anything, you know, and I know, you know, it's just a sport. It's just a draft. It's just a game. But when you look at it from a bird's eye view, you know, I mean, look at the circumstances these guys had to deal with and and drafting, you know, from their homes and technology coming to save the day. And it's inspirational the way they did it, you know, the commercials they had and how we're all kind of in this together and move forward together. And, and uh, sports are a microcosm of life and and how the human spirit can we can overcome and and be inspired and push forward and i thought the nfl really did a good job of encapsulating that feeling and it it just yeah it really felt inspiring and so i just applaud the nfl for that i think i thought that was amazing and 
I think, I mean, first off, we got to start with the wildest thing that happened in this draft. And I would be a lot more excited, but the Packers, they draft Jordan Love and in the late first round. And I mean, system pretty much shut down after that happened. Everyone was like, what just happened? And I, like I said, I would be a lot more excited if they had already traded Aaron Rodgers or they didn't give him a contract extension already because that's what they did. They earlier this year, I mean, they, they gave Rodgers a massive contract extension. They are stuck with him for the next two, probably three years financially. And, you know, that's a part of it. They could trade Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure there would be a team out there to welcome him with open arms and his salary. I think he's a tradable asset. So for me, the way I feel about it is it's a lot like they're 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 only going halfway on this thing. Now, if they are going to draft Love in the first round and you know, they want to sit him for a year, a lot like Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for a year and make sure he's polished enough, make sure he's really going to be a pro, make sure he's what you thought you were getting for that year and then move off of Rodgers then I, I'm all about it. I think is amazing move. And I think the Packers, if they are able to trade Rodgers and get rid of that money, then it's a, a game-changing move for them. It, it's kind of the philosophy that we've talked about here. And I think it's fascinating that they've done it with a lot of people feel is the best quarterback in the league. Not me, but a lot of people consensus. He's definitely top three or four in the league. I don't think there's any argument about that necessarily. I mean, I I don't, I forget where I have him probably number four or five, something like that, but you know, elite quarterback. And basically this team is going to begin the steps to move off of him. And it goes about what we talk about so much on this show is it's not necessarily the quarterback you have. It's, the price tag that that quarterback commands and even um I'm a Mahomes who I would say is the number 1 or 2 quarterback he's elevated because of his price tag he's very cheap he's on his rookie contract they have so much flexibility as a team to do whatever they want to sign whoever they want they kept everyone from their roster this offseason and they're going to make another run at a at a Super Bowl and you have a guy like Russell Wilson, who in the beginning of his career was just like Mahomes. They could pay everyone. They could keep everyone because he was so cheap. And it elevated him. And ever since he's been paid, they've honestly, the Seahawks and Packers have been on a parallel path where they're always good, good teams. But are they ever going to be great with those quarterback contracts? And... For me, the Seahawks, they have struggled with their tight money situations every year to really build around Russell enough, and especially on the offensive line, to be able to invest in it enough to really put them over at the top. Now, the Seahawks are much closer. I mean, 
the Packers beat the Seahawks last year in the playoffs. So, but the the Packers against the Niners twice last year were just completely dominated. And so, even though the Packers went thirteen and three, it's like how close are they really to a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl contending team when they can't even get a first down against the NFC champion uh, 49ers. Whereas the Seahawks beat the Niners, and then we're one inch away from beating the Niners again. And But then the Packers, they did. They beat the Seahawks in Lambeau in the playoffs last year. So those teams are, are really a, a parallel. I would say Russell, I would still keep him, even at his price tag. I talked about Russell and Mahomes pretty much in a class of their own. But a guy like Rodgers, who really, he needs great blocking up front. And I'm sorry, but the Packers, they're not going to be able to provide that if they're paying 30 plus million for their quarterback. And so what what's really going to change for these Packers? Um well, you drafted a quarterback, and he's a mobile quarterback. He's actually compared physically to Mahomes. He's mobile enough to escape pressure on his own, much more mobile than Aaron Rodgers is now. He can work efficiently behind a maybe average to below average offensive line. That gives you margin for error right there, that mobility, which Rodgers doesn't really have. Rodgers is costing you so much. How are you going to... They they lost another offensive lineman. They lost uh, Balaga, who's been a a long-time starter there in Green Bay. Their line's probably going to get worse next year. Rodgers is... If he plays the Niners again, I mean, he's going to get crushed again. And he doesn't have the mobility to escape it. They needed wide receiver help. They didn't get it. You know, people, David Bacchiari on their offensive line on the Packers, he says Rodgers is going to be more fired up than ever because of them drafting a quarterback. And my thing is, yeah, everyone always says that, but does that mean he wasn't fired up before? You you really need someone to be drafted to uh, motivate you or something? He's saying Rodgers is going to be fired up, like he's going to be all that much better this year. But are you saying he wasn't fired up before then? Because if I'm paying you $30 million, you better be damn fired up already. And so that whole motivation, he's going to be more motivated and they're trying to kick him in the butt. I don't know. That that just sounds ridiculous to me. So I don't think that has anything to do with it at all. But, you know, Rodgers, I mean, if I were the Packers... That's how I go about it. I think you you made the right step. I don't mind drafting a quarterback early if he's going to be your future on that cheap price tag. Especially in the first round, you can have him for five years. Um, The rest of the round picks, if you didn't know this, you can only have them for four years. With first round picks, you have what's called a fifth-year option, and you can sign quarterbacks onto that fifth year um, if if you want to exercise that option. They won't become a free agent. You can keep these guys for a long time, especially if they're first-round picks. And if you are going to sit him, that's one year less that you have playing a quarterback on a cheap price tag. So 
you you need to advance this thing. The Chiefs did a great job of it. They were still a great team with Alex Smith. They let Mahomes mature under him for a year, and the Packers can do the same thing, and I, and I would applaud them for that moving forward. So we're going to keep a close eye on all that goes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers can be kind of dramatic. Everyone's kind of waiting to hear his response. You know, he's going to be on some talk shows, and I'm sure he's going to have some snarky remarks and probably stir the pot. That's what I'm guessing. But we'll see what he really thought about them drafting a quarterback in the first round. It is so entertaining. Um, You know, like we talked about, the draft tells us, you know, what positions these teams prioritize. And, I mean, the Packers are telling you right there, they need a quarterback eventually. And Aaron Rodgers at that price tag, it's almost time to move off him. That's what I think they're saying. You look at the Bengals, the pick number one, like I talked about. If I were the Bengals, I'll guarantee you they were getting tremendous offers to trade out of that pick. They probably could have got three first-round picks later in the round for that number one pick. Um, I don't know that for certain that they were offered that, but most teams can trade down out of the first pick of the draft. I would have taken more players. I wouldn't have picked Joe Burrell number one just because I don't think he's going to be good enough to overcome the deficiencies on their roster because they have so many holes. If you only win one game, you've got a lot of holes on your roster. You need to – it's not just one guy, even if that one guy is the quarterback. And Joe Burrow might be a great quarterback. It doesn't matter if he has terrible offensive line play uh, a terrible defense rolling out there every week. And that division with the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens, I think, got even better this weekend. They're already pretty good, and I think they're going to pound the Bengals for the foreseeable future. And I would like to see Joe Burrow succeed, but it's going to be really hard. And most of the time, these number one picks have so much pressure on them. It just is kind of a recipe for a bust honestly. And so I always try to work through the probabilities in my head because there's no absolutes, right? We don't deal in absolutes. I don't know Joe Burrow's not going to succeed, but I just think it's probable that he's not going to based on the information I see in that division and on their roster elsewhere. So uh, the Bengals, I, I don't really think they got much better. What I do like most of the first round was really what people thought it was going to be. There was not too many surprises until really Green Bay picked Jordan Love. But, you know, Miami, they they didn't have to trade up. They got Tua. There weren't that many trades. There were some simple trades that happened, but nothing as complex as in the past. And I think that had a lot to do with maybe the lack of communication, the reliance on technology. It wasn't there wasn't these huge draft war rooms where communication was just an earshot away. These GMs, you know, they showed them they were by themselves, not even with their coaches. They were alone. And I think that made for a simpler, quicker draft, not as complex. So it didn't allow for as much complicated trades. You know, some of these trades involved a couple teams or, or uh, a couple different movements teams moving up and down the board there was some of it but not as much as usual 
So these teams kind of stayed where they were at, and they got. I think they got the players they wanted. I, I am. I have a feeling, and it's just a feeling. It's not based on data, really, or probability, like I talk about. It's just a feeling. I just feel like Miami has this momentum, and I feel like Tua. You know, he has the health concerns, but he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He seems like a good fit down in Miami, and he's going to be cheap. He's a rookie quarterback, and that team was thought to be tanking last year. Uh, They've got a, a good coach, and... It seems like those guys are playing hard for him. They still won five games. And a lot of people thought it was going to be the worst roster the NFL's ever seen. And it was shocking to see them kind of keep winning. They beat the Patriots at the end of the year. They knocked the Patriots out of their bye week in the playoffs. And the Patriots, you know, then eventually lost in the first round. Um and Miami, they're just playing hard for this coach, and, and I think that that shows a lot. They unloaded a lot of different players that probably would have been expensive or didn't want to be there. And they're kind of building the culture and it just feels like Miami's going in the right direction. Tua, I mean, with modern medicine and the way these doctors perform now, it's, and, and actually, you know, the physicality at the position, the quarterbacks just aren't crushed as much as they used to be and Tua gets rid of the ball fast I just feel like you know he's mobile as long as he can stay upright I I think the the Dolphins with their three first round picks after making a bunch of great trades I think they really are taking big steps to be young and um, fun to watch so we'll see that going forward Uh, honestly I I even the Browns, I like what the Browns did because they went with the tackle in the first round. That's what they needed. They signed, so they got their left tackle there and they signed uh, their right tackle, Jack Conklin. They're investing on the offensive line finally instead of investing on wide receivers and, you know, big name, high ticket players. Uh, they are saying, okay, Baker. Um, needs protection and I mean Baker he doesn't need to be a superhero Uh, you shouldn't expect that of him he needs help up front he needs a running game he needs great defense I mean they they got rid of offensive linemen and he was under such duress last year he's not going to perform well and it just didn't look bad it just looked bad because we talked about how overhyped the Browns were last year and and that that turned out to be the case and a lot of it just I saw they lost some offensive linemen and now they've gotten back a couple good offensive linemen I'll bet you they're going to be a lot better team this year they're going to be more consistent I would still trade Odell Beckham uh he's costing you 20 million he didn't really do much last year and I think he still has enough value where you could trade him and unload that pricey contract. But now that the offseason's kind of ending, you could choose to keep him because if you trade him and 
you don't get you could you unload that contract, but what are you going to do with that money this year? And all the all the great free agents are kind of off, are are gone for the most part, and that money is going to be spent next off season anyway. So you might might as well just keep him, play him this year, and then trade him because it's kind of too late now. So I thought the Browns' offensive line pick was great, and I like that's the like we talked about they're prioritizing that they know that's where they faltered and they have a new coaching staff new general manager there and i see i think they're prioritizing the right spots now the 49ers are fascinating john lynch is kind of wheeling and dealing every year and it's not reckless and i i like the way they're building their entire roster is is well done. The value of I would have picked some of the players a little differently because like we talked about they traded DeForest Buckner who was him and Bosa were their two best defensive linemen. I don't think there's any question. Uh but I wouldn't have paid Eric Armstead what they were what they should have paid Buckner, I would have probably paid if you're gonna pay, I would have paid Buckner and traded Armstead. But Buckner got them a higher value pick, I think, than Armstead would have, because Buckner's the better player. They traded Buckner to the Colts. They got the thirteenth pick and um they drafted Buckner's replacement. And I like all that because you unload money with that you would have had to pay Buckner and you get a cheap defensive lineman. The only problem is you ended up paying what you would have paid Buckner. You paid it to Eric Armstead, who I don't think is as good a player as Buckner. And what are the chances Javon Kinlaw defensive tackle is going to be as good as DeForest Buckner was in his fourth season? Probably not as good. So as a whole defensive line, they got a little cheaper but I don't think they got better. I think probably they got a little worse, slightly. But I like the way they are managing their roster. They are saving money here and there. I think they they got that other pick in the first round. It's amazing that they had two first-round picks after just being in the Super Bowl. That's a sign of a team that's positioning themselves well for the future and the present. And they picked a wide receiver in the first round, which is they can afford to do that because they don't I, I don't mind valuing wide receivers even in the first round as long as you have other positions taken care of. And the Niners do. They've got a great roster. So they can afford to pick a wide receiver and kind of it's kind of play money at that point. And it's a play value uh pick for them that they can play with. And so they pick the wide receiver from Arizona State. And they apparently really like the pick. I don't know about a lot of these players. And honestly, no one does. Because any one of them could be a bust. Any one of them could be a star. Even these teams that scout the crap out of all these guys don't know who they're getting, honestly. They think they do. They might have some idea. But you don't know who's going to pan out. Who's going to lose their mind when they have actual money in their pocket. Who's going to you know get all fat and happy 
who's not going to work hard. It, there's just so many factors that could go wrong with these guys and so many that could go right. So with the Niners, I think they, they've moved around well. The only thing with the Niners, and this has always been my problem, they still don't have the quarterback figured out. And that's a that's why we always talk about the quarterback, because if you get that wrong, it's going to hold you down for a long time until you get it right. They paid Jimmy G. This offseason, I couldn't believe it last week. John Lynch, he was on, on record saying that they thought about trading Garoppolo for Tom Brady. They came out and openly said that to the media. And I, I keep thinking, like, Garoppolo, he's like, uh... I'm over here. I can I can hear you guys talking about me. Yeah, that's Garoppolo. He's over there. He can hear you guys, you know. And you just said you were going to trade him for a 43-year-old. Uh, not a good look. If uh, you want Garoppolo to have more confidence, I don't think that was really a, a smart move. And the guy needs all the confidence he can get because most people blame him for losing the Super Bowl. So going forward in the building in Santa Clara, Garoppolo's now looking over his shoulder like, can I trust anyone really? Because these guys just wanted to trade me, even though they paid me an outrageous amount for what I've done, which is nothing. He actually plays a full season, takes his team to the Super Bowl, and they still wanted to trade him. So what does that tell you? It tells you they don't, they know they made a mistake at quarterback. And that's what I've always said, that they made a mistake. And the Niners know it. They would rather have a 43-year-old Tom Brady than a Jimmy G. And and that's what we've always said. And it and it's, it's true. And uh, it's going to be what holds them back going forward is going to be the quarterback. And if their roster can be good enough to overcome that, I don't know. But uh, John Lynch has made basically great moves across the board, except for that one. And that one is paramount, that quarterback position. (coughs) So we'll see about the Niners. Um, We got to talk about the Cowboys because Dallas, you know, (coughs) they're, they're a fascinating team because it's just like looking at a, a a car accident. You just you have to look, even though you know it's going to be gruesome. But Dallas is just like, it's constantly like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, they have the seventeenth pick. They don't have great players on their defense. They've got a bunch of overpaid guys, guys that have not proven anything. They give up big plays. All year, last year, on defense, they don't have great players, and they're spending money on defense, too. Uh, they trade away their best cornerback. They're paying Demarcus Lawrence way too much money. Jalon Smith, way too much money. Uh, across the board, Dallas has holes. And... I don't mind paying on offense because I think it's harder to find, especially on the offensive line, pay on offense and go young on defense. But their problem is they're paying on defense too. And they draft a wide receiver at the 17th pick in the first round. 
And it, that just tells you, like, you have holes on your roster and you're you're valuing a wide receiver still. When you already have good wide receivers, you paid Amari Cooper a ton of money. You have Michael Gallup. You're solid there. And is Dak, is that what he needs is another wide receiver? Is that what's going to make him better? No. You've got a quarterback that doesn't distribute the ball very well. You need him to have a solid defense, and you need to support the running game even more. He needs all that. He, it's not like you're giving Mahomes another weapon or Russell Willis another weapon or even Aaron Rodgers needed another weapon. They needed wide receiver. Like They could use wide receivers because they're going to get them the ball. This guy, Dak's not going to be able to get him the ball enough. Like, and and they're giving up a ton of points anyway. So if you guys, you can't even beat the Eagles who were rolling out, you know, uh, third string guys at the end of the year. All their players were hurt. The Eagles are going to destroy Dallas this year. I can already see it. It's, Dallas is not going to win that division. And, you know, the Eagles are well run and Dallas isn't. And... Dallas had a window last year where their division rival, the Eagles, were just battered and bruised. And you should have, you had no, Dallas had no injuries. And they still couldn't beat it because their quarterback is not good enough. And especially at that price. And you just added another wide receiver who a lot of people, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, a lot of people think he's overrated. Uh, CeeDee Lamb went to Oklahoma. Do you think the Big 12 plays defense? I mean, I heard they really don't. And I I watch their games, and it looks like everyone's just playing basketball out there on turf. There's no hitting. I swear, like it's like they're playing flag football in the Big 12. C.D. Lamb's out there. Tell me how many great Oklahoma receivers have come into the league recently. How many of them have done great in the NFL? And how many of them did great in college? A ton of them. Lincoln Riley, you know who that is? That's the Oklahoma coach. He's supposed to be this offensive mastermind. The only problem is in the Big 12, no one plays defense. So how do you know if if their offense is actually that good? You know, Baker Mayfield had one of the greatest seasons ever in college football history. And he's average at best in the NFL. And that's the same with all their wide receivers. They have inflated numbers in college because the Big 12 doesn't play defense. And so you pick this guy. He's a big risk. And I just don't think they're prioritizing what they need to. And that's been Dallas. And you just kind of shake your head and like, wow, this is like, it, it's, it's uh, becoming pretty laughable. And, and so... You know, um, I look at these draft grades to kind of sum up. We'll talk about more teams in depth coming forward in these next episodes. Talk about these draft grades everyone gives, and they're just they're a joke. You know, it's they're giving A's and B's and F's, and and no one knows how these players are going to turn out. Even after this year, they don't know how they're going to turn out. There were a bunch of first round picks last year that maybe didn't do anything last season as rookies and they could explode in their second year it happens all the time these guys grow and develop you could have a guy who didn't contribute at all as a rookie who becomes a hall of famer 
So unless you want to do draft grades five to ten years later, I'm all for that. We'll do those grades then. But your draft grades now are based on no evidence. And, I mean, you can grade them on maybe what positions they prioritized. If they drafted for need versus want. You know, a lot of these teams early on, they pick what they need position positionally. And then later on, they might pick what they want uh, or best player available. Uh, another word for that. So we just we have to wait and see on this. We can't rush to judgment. That's kind of the theme on this show a lot. And so uh, next we had a special um, question from longtime listener and friend of the show, personal friend, Rick Phillips. And he's been on with his questions before and I got a couple questions from him he wanted answered. So I'm happy to answer for Rick. Always love having his input on the show. And his first question was, uh, which team got the best offensive lineman in the draft? And for me, I, like I said, I, I don't really scout these players, especially in college. I honestly... I don't watch enough college football to do that. And even these guys that scout them, I think it, it's really hit or miss. It's really hard. You can have a grouping of guys, and they say this was a good um, offensive lineman draft that you think are going to pan out. From what I've heard, the first uh, tackle taken, first offensive lineman taken was from the number four to the New York Jet Giants, and that was Andrew Thomas. And... I I heard he's been a reach. I I've heard that people think that uh the Browns got the best tackle at number 10 and Jedrick Willis. Um uh a lot of people, you know, Tampa Bay at 13 for Tom Brady getting Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Those are I mean all good uh good solid picks and I think you kind of just have to take a a swing on these guys that's why I prefer to find my linemen in free agency pay top dollar for veterans because you know what they're gonna produce with these linemen coming out of college you don't really know what you're getting for certain and you're getting them at a cheap deal and you just hope they're Big, strong, athletic, uh, especially if you're picking them in the first round. But there's a lot of whiffs that these guys make. And so any one of them, I I don't know exactly who the best one is. But in the first round, I mean, you got the Giants took one. um, Browns, Jets, Bucks, um, Dolphins. And I've heard um, a lot of different guys say one or the other is the best. It's just hard to know. So don't exactly have the best answer for you there, Rick, but um, we'll just have to see. I think those teams prioritizing offensive line is great for them. So we'll see going forward. Um, his second question, both Miami and Santa Clara uh, look to be building good rosters which team looks like it has the best chances of lasting the longest and or which one is going to be a bust slash one-year wonder? And that's definitely um, a great question. And it's it's how I, you know, 
gauge a lot of these teams. Are they are they being reckless? Because that's going to cost you to be um, a bust, you know, a lot like the Rams were. They made it all the way to the Super Bowl, but they're really falling down the rabbit hole now because they were reckless and they prioritized the wrong positions. Like I said, I feel like Miami is is building for the future and a lot of that's because they just have cash they've got so much money to play with they're not spending on their quarterback and so like we talked about the the, those percentages you know jimmy g at his 10 percent of the cap gives the niners a lot less flexibility in the future and i think the niners defense probably got a little older a little worse slightly than they were last year they're still going to be great and I like the moves John Lynch makes to try to hedge against that deterioration but as far as future goes I think the Niners are the more likely one to bust going forward until they reload their quarterback position move off Jimmy G who they obviously don't think is worthy of that money and the Dolphins, they're going to have flexibility for as long as Tua is cheap. And so if you're asking me who has the better future, I think it's the Dolphins right now. You also look like at that division, there's no more Tom Brady at the Patriots. No one knows how the Patriots are going to be going forward. The Bills look like probably the best team in their division. And then you got the Jets. Um, and so, you know, Patriots, Bills, Jets. I think that's a lot easier for the Dolphins to play against than the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams. The Cardinals look like, you know, they got a, l- a little better. Um, and so that's a really tough division, whereas the Dolphins play in a much easier AFC, much easier division, AFC East, that Tom Brady got to enjoy for so long. And so I, I think the Dolphins have a higher probability to succeed going in the future i think the niners are obviously going to be the better team next year but two three four years from now i would expect the dolphins to as long as jimmy g as long as they still are sticking with him it's going to bring the niners down going forward so i hope rick i hope that answers your question to some degree um thank you so much for asking and um it's welcome anytime from all you listeners. Reach out to me. I'll answer questions, whatever whatever you want, whatever you think. And if you want me to talk about something specific, I'm always happy for all you guys listening to, uh, to do that. So that's going to be our show for this week. Uh, hope you guys are all staying safe out there and staying busy and trying to uh, get through um, challenges. And so... Uh, I hope you guys take care out there. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to talking to you next week. All right, bye.